I'm the XRP Bully back with another bullish episode. If you like these daily episodes on everything XRP, you know what to do. Give me that thumbs up button, punch the subscribe and ring that little bell. I am not a financial advisor and this is not financial advice. I am the XRP Bully. Ladies and gentlemen, you will want to listen to this entire episode as a lot will be discussed. If you're not watching on YouTube, I highly encourage you to watch on YouTube or cinnamon.video. And the reason why is because what we will be discussing here today is something that I have been able to figure out only through discussion with some of the smartest people in the XRP community. And I had a moment of epiphany. And today I am here to share that moment with you. Let's take ourselves back to September 6th, 2019. Ripple.com posted a blog with the title, No More Trade-Offs, Realize Instant Low-Cost Payments with on-demand liquidity. So if you don't know what on-demand liquidity is, on-demand liquidity is a service provided by Ripple in which banks could tap into XRP reserves in order to carry out cross-border transactions. But ladies and gentlemen, a major misconception about on-demand liquidity is that banks will need to custody XRP. Today, I'm here to tell you that banks do not and will not need to custody XRP. Instead, the exchanges are what we should be looking at. And I'm here to explain why. I hope you're following with me on YouTube or Cinnamon because I am showing you a diagram published by Ripple.com. And it's a diagram of how banks will be able to send money to each other cross-border. On the front end, you have one bank in, let's say, the United States that is sending money to another bank in another country. However, what is important are the exchanges. And let me explain this to you. Let me explain what I mean to you. To send money from bank to bank, cross-border, what goes on on the back end is that a request is made to a side exchange. That is what Ripple terms it as, a side exchange. So what does that mean? That means that essentially banks have access to on-demand liquidity through exchanges. Exchanges meaning Coinbase, Kraken, and the like. Meaning that it's the exchanges that serve the purpose of being the liquidity pool 
for the banks. So essentially, exchanges are serving a pivotal function for the banks. And this all comes in full circle with what Brian Brooks did with his banking charter and how Kraken became the first exchange to receive a banking charter. Because essentially, exchanges are becoming the banks for quote-unquote the banks. This is revolutionary, everyone. This is revolutionary. And I completely missed it. It took me a year. But this is the moment of epiphany that I am referring to. Banks don't need to custody XRP on their own. Banks have XRapid, rebranded as on-demand liquidity. So they don't need to custody XRP. However, XRP will be used. It's automatically used. Because that's how on-demand liquidity works. One bank sends money to another bank on the front end, but on the back end, what's happening is that the sending bank is making a call to a side exchange. I like to call it a side exchange partner, like Coinbase, like Kraken, like Bitso. And what the exchanges are doing is that they are sending the XRP to each other. So an exchange in the U.S. is sending XRP to the exchange in another country. And that exchange is sending that money back to a regional bank. This is all happening very, very fast. And this is revolutionary. Because what happens is that exchanges create partnerships too. So essentially... Every aspect of life will be sort of liquid because of XRP. XRP truly is the plumbing of the system. So that means that when exchanges make partnerships with, let's say, cryptocurrency wallets... those wallets would be able to take advantage of that on-demand liquidity. So essentially, in a way, everyone will be using on-demand liquidity in some way, shape, or form, whether we know it or we don't. And mind you, XRP is not meant for us retail investors. It truly is meant for exchanges and banks. Everything makes complete sense. Now, this next page that I'm showing you is utility-scan.com. And it shows the on-demand liquidity volume denominated in U.S. dollars each and every day. We can see here that the 
all-time high volume was $2.0 billion transacted through on-demand liquidity. However, what's important to understand is what I'm showing you right now. The section titled Last XRP Ledger Transactions Spotted as On-Demand Liquidity. I know that some of us are expecting to see Bank of America on this list or Santander Bank on this list. But no, no. What's actually happening is that it's the exchanges that are being used as a liquidity pool for banks. This is why we see transactions moving from Kraken to coin underscore PH or from BTC underscore markets to Bitstamp. These are all exchanges. These are all exchanges, ladies and gentlemen. From CoinPH to Bittrex. These are all exchanges. And these are all of the transactions spotted as on-demand liquidity. Meaning that banks are already using on-demand liquidity as we speak. Now, the problem that I see is that too much XRP is being used. For example, this transaction that happened, that occurred on January 24th, 2021, had a value of $1,197. And the amount of XRP that it took to transact was 4,400 XRP. That's too much XRP. XRP is meant to increase by design. As banks use on-demand liquidity more and more and more, XRP is meant to increase in price by design. Sort of like a difficulty adjustment. If you don't believe me, look at xrpl.org slash transaction dot dash cost dot html. Because this website clearly states or clearly it clearly explains the transaction cost associated with the XRP ledger. I'm going to read this paragraph on this website, xrpl.org. Transaction cost to protect the XRP ledger from being disrupted by spam and denial of service attacks. Each transaction must destroy a small amount of XRP. The transaction cost is designed to increase along with the load on the network, making it very expensive to deliberately or inadvertently overload the network. So essentially, ladies and gentlemen, transaction cost is designed to increase as volume increases. 
This makes things like 51% attacks less attractive or attacks in general less attractive because it'll take more and more money for a hacker or for a bad actor to carry on a major attack on the XRP ledger. But we have another problem here. If banks are using XRP, excuse me, on-demand liquidity and transacting millions and billions of dollars using on-demand liquidity, well, that too can increase the transaction cost. So as an offset, what needs to happen is that the price needs to increase. Price is price increase is in the design of the XRP ledger. And it's only through research that we can truly understand this. Let me know what you think down in the comments. I want you to share this episode with everyone you know. Because it is extremely important to understand the technology behind the, the, the XRP ledger. Right now, I'm showing you coinbase.com slash international. And the front page of this specific page on Coinbase says, send money internationally for free. How? By using XRP. In the future, ladies and gentlemen, in the near future, what will happen is that these exchanges will ultimately provide more services for us. And they already are. Coinbase has their own Coinbase wallet. Fiat currency as we know it will become digital. And if I want to send money from the United States to a family member in Japan... And I want to send US dollars over and have it converted to Japanese yen. Ultimately, on-demand liquidity will be used. Because it is the exchanges that will be communicating with each other. This is the revolution that we are witnessing. Now, next thing that I want to discuss is this press release by ISDA.org. And the title reads, New IBOR Fallbacks Take Effect for Derivatives. So if you don't know what LIBOR is, I suggest you watch the video that I created yesterday. Episode 211 on LIBOR. Because I don't want to go into explaining what LIBOR is. I, I already did that. However, what you need to know today is that the LIBOR system is in the midst of a transition. And that just in case the transition doesn't work out, there are fallback rates.
that banks could fall back on. So right now, we are in the transition period to a new system called SOFR. So I was thinking today, why can't banks just use Codius? I mean, have we forgot about Codius? Codius is an enterprise solution, ultimately. A smart contract enterprise solution. Why can't LIBOR rates be secured using a smart contract? Why can't that happen? These are all things that we need to think about, ladies and gentlemen. These are the things that are shaking the system. And I want to get your thoughts down in the comments about all of this. Now, with all of this being said, thank you so much for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with more news on everything bullish in the XRP and cryptocurrency community. Until next time, thanks for tuning in. I'm the XRP Bully, signing out. Thank you.